The Fake Show is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stephan, Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas, Brew City Brand, and by Mr. Antenna. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Well, the Captain and Tennille had huge hits in the 70s like Do That To Me One More Time, Muskrat Love, You Better Shop Around, and Love Will Keep Us Together. Well, apparently Love didn't keep them together because Tony Tennille split with the Captain, Daryl Dragon, a couple years ago and has written all about it in a very telling memoir. Tony is on the line with me right now. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm living in Florida. What more? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I recently uh, talked to a contemporary of yours, Rita Coolidge, who is out with her own memoir, and she said that at the last moment, she felt very anxious right before the book came out. Did I do the right thing? Did you have any of those feelings? No, I didn't. Um, Caroline and I, my niece Caroline, who co-wrote the book with me, um, we took two years to write it. And uh, we, we worked very, very hard on the book and we wanted to make sure that it was absolutely straight ahead. Um, the only thing I will say is that the um, the legal team at my publisher asked me to soften a little bit some of the things I said about Chevy Chase, but other than that, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have to read it to find out that, but just remember when you read it that the, what's said was much softer than what I said. No, I wasn't worried because I told it exactly as it was from my point of view, and it's not just all about me and Daryl. It, it's you know, it starts when I was five years old and growing up in Alabama and goes all the way through to... Uh, you know, the present day. And um, I, I put it out there because I wanted people who, fans of ours, who've been fans for years and years, and I knew would be disappointed when they learned that we had divorced. Um, I wanted them to understand. Yeah, I think, Tony, that back in 2014 when you did split, that a lot of fans were surprised to hear about that. You pretty much laid it out there that it was a long time coming, yes? Yes, it was. It took me a long time because... Um, I always felt that I could, um, you know, it sounds stupid, but I always felt I could, I could fix him, that I could help him. Daryl has always been a, and, and there's a reason for that. You know, he was raised in a very difficult situation, a difficult family, an overbearing, famous Academy Award-winning father uh, who was very critical of his kids. He had five of them, three boys and two girls, um, and he uh, also was physically abusive, particularly to the boys. His Daryl's mother um, suffered from um, from um, depression, clinical depression, from the time she was in her mid thirties until she died in her early eighties. So he he had a completely different upbringing than I did. He had no experience of love and support and affection in his upbringing. Uh, I did. I I have you know one of those big loving families that we support each other and and music was everywhere and. You know, even though we had our own difficulties, uh, we always cared about each other and still do. And I was hoping that I could help him experience that kind of thing. And um, I tried for a long time, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I only made the decision about, you know, about 2012 that that was what I was going to have to do. Did you meet Daryl when you two were touring with the Beach Boys in the early days? No, I met him before that because actually I hired him first. I had written a musical called Mother Earth. It was an ecology-themed musical, and uh, we performed it uh, up in San Francisco, and we're getting ready to move it to L.A., and we needed a new keyboard player because our regular guy couldn't go with us. 
So Daryl flew up to San Francisco and auditioned for me, <laughs> and I hired him. And then uh, when Mother Earth closed after L.A., or it went on without me, um, he and I worked in clubs together, uh, you know, just to make some money. Boy, we worked in some dumps in those days, too, I'll tell you, but we had to make some money. Um, so we did that, and then when the Beach Boys went back out on tour, Daryl had been with them for uh, five or six years as a backup musician, um, Carl Wilson called him and said, look, our keyboard player wants to stop for a while and get his, finish his degree. Do you know somebody who can fill in? And Daryl said, yeah, I have this gal. I know she can do it. And Carl said, fine. He never heard me play. He never heard anything. Wow. word for it. And he didn't even, wasn't the least concerned that I was a girl. Um, yeah. I thought, wonderful, you know, in those days. And off I went. And the first time they heard me play was at Soundcheck. Uh, in Binghamton, New York. That is truly amazing. And, you know, I, I think that everyone knows you, this warm personality, this great voice. So we know the voice of the Captain and Tennille, but Daryl really was a great musician and producer, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He, he was absolutely brilliant. And, and you know, I, my tendency in, in producing is always to be a little, to err more on the side of being a little more conservative. But Daryl uh, has had this wonderful, quirky, genius thing that would take things that I wrote and things that other people wrote and just do exactly the right thing, make it a little edgier than I would have done. Um, in fact, if you hear our, our Christmas CD, uh, which is, you know, out there, and you can get it for Christmas, it's very obvious which ones of those tracks I produced and which ones. Daryl did. We worked together on some of them, but he actually let me produce quite a bit of, of, of the things that I did on my own. So uh, it's an interesting contrast that you can hear what, between what I would do and what he would do. I'm more traditional and he's more edgy. Worked out well for both of us. So you two have been living in Prescott, Arizona for quite a while. Now, as you say, you live in Florida. You're, you're closer to family. Daryl is still there, and he has what I have read is a Parkinson's-like disease. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a tremor, which they really don't know if it's Parkinson's. They don't think it is. He's been to see so many different experts on this. Um, but it, it's probably what we call a familial tremor or, uh, you know, essential tremor, and it's exacerbated, actually, by his anxiety about it. Um, uh, there are people who live with it, but Daryl's always been anxious about his health. If you read the book, you know that he's, you know, he's, he's convinced that certain foods are, you know, the things that do this or do that, and, um, and he changes his mind about it all the time, and he's always taking supplements and you know, trying new things. He gets a lot of his information, uh, you know, on the Internet, searching around. Um, we used to call him, uh, my friends and I used to call him the food police because he, yeah. whenever we get together for dinner with people, he would side, uh, sidle up to somebody who was eating something, you know, that he didn't approve of, and he'd say, that'll kill you. <laughs> so, so, you know, he would kind of take the joy out of dinner time. Yeah. But that's just, you know, he's, he's an anxious kind of negative um, person, and uh, he, and I always thought I could make he, maybe help him be another type of person, but I couldn't. Yeah, and like you say, we're all, I guess, a product of our parents, aren't we? A product of our upbringing. Yeah, I think we are. I think we're very much that, and we're also a product of all of the experiences that we've had in our lives, good and bad. 
and they make you the person that you are. And, um, and you know, I don't want to use that as an excuse, but I think that Daryl and, and I are the people we are um, based on that. You know, I always thought it was interesting being in radio how back in the day certain radio stations banned some of your songs like The Way I Want to Touch You because they thought that the lyrics were so suggestive. I remember just thinking this is really a beautiful song. Did you have a little bit of a go around with some of those radio stations or was that something that your management would do battle with? No, you know, the only radio station I remember really being um, uh, we were banned from was a was a middle-of-the-road station, oddly enough, in St. Louis that refused to play the way I want to touch you because they thought it was too suggestive, but, you know, really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing compared to today. You know, I was always, and still am, I was always a very sensual woman, and when I wrote love songs, I wrote, I mean, especially some of the ones that we never released as, sing- as singles that you can go into our albums and find that I wrote, uh, things like Deep in the Dark, which expresses a a sensual experience uh, for the first time a person is having. Um, things like, um, but I think it's a dream, which is kind of the same thing. Uh, love me like a baby. I mean, there were a lot of uh, things underneath, you know, that I that I would express, but never overt. Because I don't think that's sensual or sexy to be overt. And that's all they are today, pretty much. I thought it was better to be a little, you know suggestive without being overt about your sensuality. That's kind of my my method of of writing. Well, Tony Tennille, A Memoir, it's definitely a page-turner, and it's available everywhere. I suggest that you go to TonyTennille.net for all the latest information and where there might be upcoming book signings. The best way to find that, Jim, is on my Facebook page, The Real Tony Tennille. And I write to people, I write back to people, nobody does it for me, I do it. So if you write to me on The Real Tony Tennille on Facebook, um, I will write back to you. Oh, that's great to know. So nice to talk to you, and and best of luck. Thanks so much, Jim, for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, bye-bye. You know, it's really kind of a sad story, isn't it, that after years together and years of therapy, Tony just decided she couldn't change her husband and really had no right to do that, and she finally left. Well, we've come to the close of this episode of The Fake Show. Always more info for you at The Fake Show Facebook and Twitter pages, and I might suggest that SoundCloud is a great place to subscribe for free to the show because you'll get alerts when there are new episodes. I'm Jim Tofty, and I will talk to you next time. Take The Fake Show with you at thefakeshow.com, SoundCloud, and at iTunes.